Hey everyone, today we are in Proverbs chapter 24 and we will be looking at verses 28 and 29 which says Be not a witness against your neighbor without cause and do not deceive with your lips do not say I will do to him as he has done to me I will pay the man back for what he has done so there's some good instructions some good help here I think for relationships so the writer says to be not a witness against your neighbor without cause and do not deceive with your lips so are there times we need to be a witness against our neighbor with cause sure if we see a murder going on across the street or next door, people carrying a body out, um, theft, abuse, and just a few devotions back, we looked at how we need to take a stand against wickedness in a million different ways. However, not all of those ways need to be us being a witness against our neighbor to the authorities, right? Most of the time, when we are called to be a witness, uh, it's uh, to be a witness to them about things that are good and true for their peace uh, in one-on-one -on -one conversation. So, most importantly, we heard to be a witness with good cause about how Jesus is the good news for them. The good news of great joy that the angel proclaimed. We have good cause for that. We're called to be a witness across the world, right? To go ye therefore, teach all nations. But really, I think here the writer is simply saying, don't make accusations against your neighbor unless it's uh, for their good and for God's glory. Don't go stirring up trouble. Uh, don't lie about your neighbor. Don't gossip. Don't put them down. Don't slide them to others. Don't be a complainer about them. Work for peace and God's glory in their life and their joy. Finally, verse 29 says, Do not say, I will do to him as he has done to me. I will pay the man back for what he has done. Makes me think of uh, Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus tells us actually the same thing, but not in the negative, saying what we should not do, but in the positive. Um, well, here's how he says it. Matthew chapter 7 verse 12 So whatever you wish that others would do to you do also to them for this is the law and the prophets. So if your neighbor has harmed you in some way don't do to them as they have done to you as our text indicates. Rather show forgiveness and love the way you would like them to do to you and the way actually the Lord has done for you if you know Christ. Actually in Matthew 7, before Jesus says this, how we should love our others, he tells how God loves us and wants to do us good and not evil. So he is our example. Matthew 7, 9 says, or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? You know, God wants to give us good things, and He wants us to go to Him. Um, 
and actually good things. I like a million dollars. That would probably be the worst thing I could ever receive. It would probably ruin my life. But God wants to give us peace and joy and, and be able to understand his character and pick up his attributes and become more like him and have the joy, you know, and, and find so many of the riches in his word and to be able to love our neighbor the way he wants us to. He wants to back us 100% all the way and give us everything we need to complete the mission that he has put in our hearts. Our old mission was to seek our own glory and to promote ourselves to others. Our new mission is to see more of his glory and to proclaim his glory and the good news of Jesus to others. So, and then in verse 13 of Matthew 7, Jesus tells us about like the, the best and the greatest good thing that the Father wants to give us for those who are given eyes to see Jesus as the greatest treasure in the universe. Um, this is what we ask for. This is what we seek for from, from God. And he wants to give us this best gift. So verse 13 and 14 says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. So what is the narrow gate? Let's just let's, let's think about that. Well, it's only Jesus, right? It's not ourselves with all our good works and efforts. It's not Buddha. It's not Muhammad. It's very narrow. It's Jesus and Jesus only. It's the one promised when Adam and Eve believed Satan over God. Uh, it was the offspring of the woman who was promised to bruise the head of the serpent. It's the one who was promised to, to come and do what Adam and Eve and all their descendants could never do, and that is to live a perfect, sinless life. It's the one who did that and uh, did not have to pay the wages of sin, which is death, because he never sinned. But it's the one who chose to die anyway, not for his own sin, but for ours. It's the one who then imputes his righteousness to all who delight in him, giving us fellowship with God, acceptance. And he's the one who defeated death on the third day and, and gives us that same power that raised him from the dead to have victory over sin as we walk with him. And as in his resurrection, we also will be raised up incorruptible um, forever with him, no more submissive to sin with death and pain and sorrow that accompanies sin. So who is this narrow gate and how narrow actually is it? Well, Jesus answers this question in one sentence from John 14, 6, which says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me.